Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast, a general practice podcast brought to you by Menlo Park Recruitment. Illuminating Primary Care is here to quiz primary care leaders to offer professional knowledge, experience and insight on the biggest topics in general practice. It's the podcast to listen to if you work in primary care. Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. Uh, My name is Patrick Flowers. I'm a senior consultant at Menlo Park, and I'm joined by... Uh, I'm David Murphy, another one of the senior consultants. Uh, We're going to have a bit of a chat about salary and contract negotiations today. Um, We appreciate it's a a minefield, and there's lots of advice out there, and you've probably heard lots of different things. Um, But just to jump straight into it, um, a question for you first, David, I guess. What could someone expect to be paid as a newly qualified GP? Yeah, well, we... um... We did a salary survey, uh, which if you email us, you can request um, a little while ago. And you know what, what it's shown is that actually there's a, there's a huge discrepancy um, nationally in terms of both the workload and the salaries available. Um, so one of the things we're you know trying to really kind of pinpoint is what does affect sessional rate. Um, and there are a few sort of key points, really. So um, workload's probably the main one. Um, so actually, um, you know, there are instances where workload can differ quite drastically from one practice to another. Um, some practices are on 15 minute appointments, some are on 10 minutes, um, some are using total triage systems. Um, so it can vary, you know, massively from, from one practice to another. Um, and actually that can have quite a, a, a big impact on, you know, what practices are prepared to pay. Uh, so some surgeries, you know, might be offering, um, you know, a full, uh, standard BMA contract, um, you know, 25 contacts in a day, uh, but only be paying, say, like nine and a half thousand a session. Uh, whereas actually you might get other practices that have um, got a slightly higher workload, but still reasonable um, and are offering, you know, 10 and a half, 11, those kind of ballparks. Um, one of the things we, you know, identified really quickly and, and something we get a lot of kind of anecdotal feedback on as well as geography. Um, so depending on where you are in the country, is going to have quite a big impact on, you know, what you can expect to be paid. Um, if you're, you know, a GP living, um, you know, Central York, for example, uh, the salaries there are historically a lot lower than they might be in, you know, deepest, darkest Lincolnshire, for example. Um, so there can be quite a, a difference from from one area to the other, um, and that's what we normally refer to as, you know, market rate. So that's kind of the, the market forces in a given area which kind of impact. Um, you know, the norm uh, for, for GP surgeries to be advertising um, and offering in, in local areas. Um, another thing to consider as well is, you know, special interests. So um, aside from, you know, your job in GPing and, you know, where you're based in the, the country, so kind of workload factors and geography, um, you know, if you're doing things which are, uh, you know, different, to um, like say a, a job in GP, just seeing patients. If you're doing things like LARC clinics, uh, if you're doing you know MSK minor surgery, um, if you're coming to a practice with kind of additional bells and whistles, um, then actually there are probably mitigating factors there which might make it compelling to offer you more than um, other GPs, or maybe a little bit higher than um, you know uh, other practices in the area, for example. Um, And obviously experience comes into it as well. So there are going to be, in some instances, not all, um, you know, differences in in experience um, 
from someone who is straight off the VTS scheme. They've come through the system and they've gone straight into GP training versus someone who, you know, might have done years as an A&E consultant. Um, so that sometimes comes into it as well. Um, but actually what I'm seeing more and more frequently is that practices generally have quite a flat uh, pay structure um, it, it, most of the time, but it, it can um, it can be that they've got tiered systems where they offer you slightly lower to start with uh, versus slightly higher. Um, just on the topic, it's probably worth pointing out that as a, an average, is like a national average, um, we're seeing you know sessional rates of between like ten to ten and a half as as the norm. Um, but actually, if you look in areas, you know, like I say, really kind of rural Lincolnshire, parts of you know rural Norfolk, um, Cornwall, Dorset, those kind of areas as well, uh, the rates can be a lot higher as a as an average, uh, just because those areas are, are typically a lot harder to. Um, recruit into um have you got any i guess practical advice you know with regards to that paddy or any any sort of tips you'd give yeah i think you've covered some really sensible points there i think like you say the, the easier to recruit in areas and um, sometimes more affluent areas can pay lower so york as an example like you say can be even lower than the average of 10 to 10,500 so that's all really sensible i guess in terms of practical advice um things like discussing with your gp trainer um and also friends who also might be gps is a really good place to start in terms of what the average is you should be expecting um the gp trainer is probably going to see it from a more experienced gp point of view and maybe know what they're paying their salaried GPs if they're a partner at that practice for example so good to have a more experienced head looking at it um, and I guess asking friends as well so um, if the friends are in different areas be mindful as like David said geography massively affects the sessional race as well so don't necessarily compare with friends if they're in different geographies but it's a really good place to start um, if they're working in the same area as you it's good to know what they're being paid versus the workload and and how that compares as well um, another good point would be to look at adverts locally as well so if you have an offer from your training practice that is X amount per session, maybe look at adverts locally as well and see what they'd be paying newer GPs straight out of training too. Uh, but equally be mindful that if something is uh, or looks too good to be true, it may well be. So if there's a practice locally to you that is paying way above what you perceive to be the market average, it may well be for a reason, whether that's really high workload, whether that's they're wanting you to be on on call more so than your training practice, um, do extra things like special interest clinics or do more home visits. All those kind of things can mean they're, they're paying more for a reason as well. Um, so yeah, I'd say be realistic as well. Know what the rough market value is. Um, Realise that there is a difference between being a registrar and then being a salary GP. So the jumping workload is going to be significant. Um, and also, I guess, look into things like pay risers. So um, whether they build in probationary review pay risers, so um, maybe an increasing sessional rate after your initial three to six month probation period, once you're up to speed and not needing as much support as you might do immediately. And also things like the dentist and doctors review body uplift. So some practices will um, uplift their GP salary in line with the DDRB recommendation every year too so i'd probably look into those things as well mm. it's probably worth touching on the contract side of things as well because you know when we talk about kind of what to expect um there can be quite 
big differences depending on the kind of surgery you work for. Um, so without kind of getting bogged down with too much of it, there are, there are three um, three main types of GP provider contracts, so GMS, APMS, and PMS. Um, the two main ones that you tend to see most frequently are, are going to be the, the GMS and the APMS. Um, APMS stands for um, Alternative Provider of Medical Services. Um, it's less common than GMS, and it's typically where um, either a contract's been um, given back by a partnership and it's gone out to tender, um, or it can actually be in some instances a new service. So if there's a new service being provided locally, um, it can sometimes go straight out as an APMS contract rather than a, than a GMS. Um, these practices can, can either be run by a GP partnership or an organization. Uh, but one of the sort of key things to be aware of and, and just to kind of manage expectations is that actually they're not required to offer you a BMA contract, um, although the, the BMA do recommend that it's something comparable. Um, it, it's not a, a kind of clause within their, you know, service contract to, to provide that to their GPs. Um, GMS, which I've mentioned, is is what you know people are most kind of commonly aware of. It's the most common UK GP uh, service contract, um, and it's what most people would think of as you know the kind of traditional GP partnership model. Um, one of the things you know to be aware of with this, which is what most people, um, you know are aware of and, and do think of when they're kind of going through negotiations is that the 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 employment contract they offer should be um you know a bma model it's actually you know stipulated in the the gms terms um and and typically it'll follow four key areas so that the four kind of pillars that we think of probably within the bma contract are you know the continuation of service um which then has a knock-on impact on things like the sick pay uh, maternity um and paternity pay and also the CPD, um, all of which is normally outlined in like the Whitley handbook. Um, so what, what I would say is, you know, you need to be aware of what kind of practice you're going into. Um, you know, if it's an organization rather than a GP partnership, it's probably going to be an APMS contract. The GP employment contract might be a little bit different. Um, and, and I think that's something that a lot of GPs maybe aren't overtly aware of and, and maybe something they're not considering when they're job hunting. Yeah, I, I think they're all really good points. And I think it's probably worth me jumping in here and talking a bit about um, what the BMA recommend should be offered because it does differ on, like David said, the type of provider contract that that practice has with the NHS. So, for example, APMS providers um, aren't obliged to offer the model salary GP contract. They are recommended to by the General Practice Council, um, but it doesn't have to be offered. So they're, they're not obliged to as an employer. Whereas GMS contracts... Um, and practices who hold that contract with the NHS, they need to offer a contract um, that is um, similar or um, no less favorable to um, a BMA model contract. So it may still differ, um, but it might differ on things like salary because the BMA contract um, starts at a recommendation of around £6,700 a session. So things like that may be much higher, but things may mm. be different as in CPD is is one of the more common things that, that we see. Um, the DDRB as well, which I mentioned earlier, does set a minimum range, um, which I, I touched on briefly there. But the sessional rate range they recommend is between 6,700 up to about 10,100. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. most practices are paying significantly more than that as well. So it's worth taking that into account if the rest of the contract does differ slightly too. Um, yeah. 
I guess to cover that further, David, do you have any advice for people on what to do if a practice isn't offering a BMAML contract? Yeah, and I think this is something probably we've both tackled quite quite a bit because, um, as you said kind of earlier, it is a bit of a minefield. Um, I think the first thing I'd say is, you know, don't panic. If you're ever offered, you know, if you're offered a position, uh, you're seriously considering it and you're offered a contract and you go, hmm, what's this? Um, you know, don't panic. You, you will see variations on the, the BMA contract. Um, you know, despite the fact the guidance for GMS practices is, is quite clear, on, on having to offer uh, something at least as favorable as the model contract. Uh, what GMS providers will sometimes do is justify those changes, um, you know, by, like you say, um, you know, offering a salary which is slightly higher, but then perhaps, um, you know, mitigating that against, you know, not offering as generous a CPD allowance, for example. Um, so there are little things like that that we see quite often. Um, would you uh, are you aware of any other kind of common variations patrick that that might be worth having a chat about yeah definitely so i i guess kind of the the main ones we see are around the four pillars that we discussed earlier but are mainly two key areas that have slightly broader implications so the the first one would be continuation of service i guess so some practices will argue that they are a contractor of the nhs rather than the nhs themselves therefore prior continuous service with the nhs may not be recognized and it may just be tenure with the practice that they work to instead um, the main impact this will have will be on sick pay and maternity and paternity entitlement so if the practice only starts your tenure with the nhs when you start with them it's going to be less immediately with then you working up to it whereas if they recognize previous service then you're going to be on a full entitlement straight away um, probably the most common variation that we see though would be cpd um, mm. the standard bma recommendation is very generous isn't it um, so they they recommend one session per week per full-time equivalent GP. So if you're working as a, a nine session full-time, as the BMA says, you should be having one CPD session every week. Most practices, I'd say, um, vary from the BMA contracts on this point, and um, a large number of practices will offer one week pro rata of study leave in lieu of regular CPD instead. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I guess I just try to understand if there are consistent changes um, or if there has been an error in completing the contract from the practice's point of view. So we, we sometimes find this in relation to the continuation of service where the practice um, isn't aware. Not aware. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a lack of understanding, isn't it, more than them trying to be um, overtly misleading on anything. Um, so I'd probably just check over it on that particular point, mm -hmm. um, which is qu usually quite easy to rectify just by notifying partners or practice management um, of changes to the terms in the contract they should be offering. Um, yeah. And I guess the best leverage is just understanding what you should be offered by doing your prior research elsewhere, but also understanding that you're being reasonable and what you're asking for is um, mm -hmm. okay to ask for and that other practices might be offering it or that the practice you've offered you it should be doing something differently as well, is what I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think one of the, the things to kind of point out is doing your homework, be aware of what is kind of normal. Um, and manage your own expectations as well. So we, we'd always recommend, um, you know, you send your contract to the BMA. It's free for members. Um, if you've done your homework, there are two things. So um, they're always 
always going to come back with some amendments. Um, I'm almost certain if you sent them a BMA contract, they would still come back with some amendments, whether it's the phrasing of of words or, or clarifying on points. Um, so really don't be alarmed. Um, it's worth just kind of going into it and try to have an understanding of what amendments they might come back with before you've even sent it. So if you send them the contract and you're aware the CPD isn't quite um, as per uh, the BMA, uh, you know, one session full-time equivalent, for example, um, you know, it's going to be sort of less alarming to you when they come back and, you know, they've highlighted various things in red uh, to say it's it's not correct. So, you know, manage your own expectations, uh, but also, you know, be be reasonable with, with what you're getting as well. Um, so what we find, as I said, with most practices is that they uh, they might alter things like the CPD because, um, you know, the salary might be higher than, say, the BMA recommendations. Um, and if you're, you know, aware of that, um, you know, then actually it, it, it might offset it for you. It might be something you're comfortable compromising on. And there might be other things within the contract as well. Um, and equally, again, just referring back to the APMS, um, you know, if you're applying for a a, pra a role with a practice, you've been offered a position, you get the contract, it's an APMS provider. Um, the sick pay might be different. Um, the annual leave entitlement, uh, the study leave, they all might differ. Um, you know, there might be other perks that you don't get in the BMA contract, like private healthcare cover. I know that's one that, you know, quite a few providers offer mm -hmm. now. Um, so, you know, just, just be reasonable uh, with the requests that you're asking for, uh, but also be prepared to walk away. So as Patrick mentioned, um, you know, if you've made them aware of things that you don't think are right, even if you think there are some, you know, genuine just omissions or errors in, in the way the contract's been put together, um, you know, then be prepared to to kind of walk away if if they're, you know, not compromising on things that, you know, are really important to you. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're aware of what the changes might be going into it, you could save yourself some time. So if you know for a fact that, you know, you want X, Y, and Z from your employment contract, it might deter you from applying for certain roles at certain practices if you know that's not quite what they're offering from the outset. Um, I guess on the topic of salary specifically, I know we've touched on maybe what to expect, Patrick, um, but do you have any kind of tips on what you would do or any examples that you've come across in the past? Yeah, so obviously salary negotiation is something that we deal a lot with, isn't it, day to day. Um, I think it's always going to be one of those points where people are always going to want as much money as possible um, and the practice are going to offer what they feel is fair as well. So I guess you want to go into negotiations with the strongest position possible. And I think the, the first thing you can do to ensure that is um, do your due diligence. First of all, if you've got some stats of what other practices are paying locally versus what they're expecting from you and what their benefits are, I think that puts you in a strong position to be able to negotiate if you're being offered what you think is under market rate. Um, and again, understanding market rate is such an important factor. And you can do that by looking at job boards like Pulse, GP Online, BMJ, NHS Jobs, your local LMC, um, speaking to people you know locally, or even speaking to us. Um, we, we have really good local knowledge in every area that we operate in. Mm. So if you want to know kind of what the local average is of sessional rate versus workload, have a chat with us about it. Um, it's also, I guess, worth understanding a bit of context about what kind of pay system the practice operate, as in, do they pay a flat rate? So regardless of experience, is everyone being paid the same rate? So Therefore, if they do, the offer probably isn't going to change because they'd have to change everyone's. Um, or do they have a tiered pay system where 
newer GPs might start on a slightly lower rate, and then experienced GPs will kind of work their way up to a, a higher rate to reflect experience and time within the NHS as well. Um, mm-hmm. Also, make sure you're asking about things like pay following probation period too, and whether that goes up once you're more confident. Um, and also, obviously, be asking about things like, um, does the practice follow the DDRB recommendations? Because that's been 4.5% and 2% in previous years too so that that's a fairly big point as well mm-hmm. do you have any tips david on how a person might negotiate or broach negotiations with a practice in the first instance yeah and, and i think this is partly going to depend on your your route to offer because if you've come via us for example um one of the things i know all of you know all of our team are, are really hot on is um you know coaching practices uh, because it, it can be a bit of an unknown entity really for practices as well if, if they've not recruited for a while um or they they don't you know they, they've not kind of refined their recruitment process um it can be a bit hit and miss um and you know one of the things that we're always trying to do as i'm sure you know is 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 you know coaching practices on you know putting their best offer forward first time um and there are a few really sort of quite obvious um benefits to that um you know it increases the likelihood of someone accepting the job to start with um and it also removes the need for you know any kind of awkward negotiation um you know it, it builds rapport it builds trust because you know for a fact the practice is coming forward with something you know first time that's good it's a strong offer um, and you know you're going to feel valued from it um what i would say is you know negotiation doesn't have to be awkward though so um, it can feel a bit uncomfortable um and i think you need to understand your motivation for wanting to negotiate um obviously try and empathize and understand why a practice might be offering what they are um you know if it's lower than you may be expecting or lower than some of the neighboring practices locally um you know are they offering anything over and above what you might usually expect you know any any really kind of hands on mentoring um you know additional cpd 15 minute appointments um you know is the workload below average um or equally just stuff like they might not have recruited for a while so they might just be out of touch with what gps are asking for locally what other practices are offering um and that's not necessarily the practice's fault it's just a case of um you know if you're aware of that and you can you know, signpost them to places where they can, you know, see that themselves. Um, it's probably going to be a more warm conversation trying to get them to increase the salary because, you know, you're not doing it out of, um, you know, greed. It's 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 purely based on kind of market rate and, you know, what is typically being demanded in a in a local area. Um, and things like that don't have to be awkward, but it's obviously just about putting everything in context um, and 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 kind of approaching it in the right way with the practice. Um, I'd say you, you going into that need to kind of prepare your facts and figures, you know, from the research you've done on other comparable roles or any advice you had from people like us. Um, and I say that's that's kind of key uh, because, you know, there are a lot of conversations I've had and I know you've had the same conversations, Patrick, where yeah. um, people are just plucking figures out of thin air or they go, my friend's been offered this or, you know, I've seen this advertised somewhere else. Um and actually, I think it's quite important to call people out on that sometimes because um, it kind of stokes unrealistic expectations um, and isn't beneficial to anyone. You know, it's not beneficial to you as a candidate going in and going, you know, I'm newly qualified. I've seen adverts for £14,000 a session, hmm. you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't look like you've done your homework. It doesn't particularly, um, you know, make 
you look fantastic in 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 that setting and um, so i think you've got to to you know be really diligent in terms of preparing your facts um and going in with something that you think is reasonable um i also think you know you, you've got to highlight your interest in the position when you negotiate um you know i think you've genuinely got to want what they're offering um as a a package in terms of the workload and the people in the location uh, to go into a negotiation honestly when you're looking at things like the salary or you know any other factors uh, relating to the contract for example um because one of the things you know i guess my next point is that that acceptance and that interest in the position is really really good leverage um to try and achieve some of the points that you're trying to get to um, and it doesn't have to be done in like a totalitarian way. It doesn't have to be like a give me this or I won't accept. Um, but actually, if you can highlight your interest in the position, um, you know, thank a practice for the time they've spent with you so far um, and actually say, you know, if we can get close or, you know, if we can get A, B and C, you know, I'll accept the role um, or, you know, I'm really look forward to joining the practice. It's really uh, it's a really good motivator for the surgery to 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 to, to maybe compromise on some of the things they they might not have otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I think that would be my, my main tip, I guess, a, a really useful negotiation tool. Um, are there any things you'd suggest avoiding, Patrick, in, in negotiations? <laughs> Often maybe the ones I've mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I think plenty. I think we've seen some awful negotiation tactics over the years, um, unfortunately. So I guess the, the first thing to mention would be that negotiation is about compromise from both parties. Um, so it, it is a give and take scenario where you might want something extra um, and, and the practice is you know willing to give that up but they might want something extra from from you as well so um, be well aware that it, it's not just a practice we're giving everything away be prepared to be reasonable I, I, I guess um, as David mentioned having your acceptances some leverage can help um, but it's probably right to do this in good faith um we we've seen lots of situations where this hasn't been the case but i think that if you're using your acceptance of a proposed salary or some proposed extra benefits as leverage um accepting it is probably the best thing to do from there onwards using acceptance as leverage and then not accepting a role is exceptionally bad form um and primary care is such a small world you will find out that everyone knows everyone so um not burning bridges and being decent with people is probably the the best tip we could ever give you um mm -hmm. similarly don't quote a friend's salary or an offer from a different area. It's entirely irrelevant. Um, if you've got a friend working, like David said, in the middle of Lincolnshire, where they're being offered an insane amount of money and you're living in central Birmingham, don't expect to be paid the same. Market rates are entirely different. Don't quote it to the practice. It's not relevant to negotiation. Um, and I guess the final thing would be um, to just not accept an offer based purely on the highest salary you can find. Um, yeah. We, we have a bit of a phrase for this, don't we, in recruitment called golden handcuffs, where you're being paid too much. <laughs> it is a great phrase. <laughs> and it essentially means that you're being paid too much to leave, where you can end up trapped in a job yeah. that you're being paid so much money, so significantly above the market rate, that you're then earning too much to work anywhere else. Um, and yeah, often, the, the yeah. danger is you build your life around it, isn't it? You know, you, you join yeah. somewhere on a crazy high salary. Um, and, and it's kind of that golden handcuffs or even danger money is another popular <laughs> phrase yeah um you know if you're in a practice where you've got 
one partner, you know, who's nearing retirement and you're the only salary GP, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, they're probably going to be paying out a lot more than, uh, than, than other practices in the local area. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it, is it sensible, you know, should, should you, um, you know, live, live within those means perpetually? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> um, That's it. And it has a knock on effect to everything else, doesn't it? If you, yeah. if you take a huge salary, get a huge, a huge mortgage, a nice flash car, you're probably not then yeah. going to want to leave that job or be able to leave that job some way where you might be happier. So you, you kind of can end up being quite stuck there. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that that's probably what I'd say not to do. Um, so that's probably all we've got time to cover today, I, I imagine. Um, yeah. Hopefully a fairly comprehensive look into what to do, what not to do. Um, if you would like to chat with us in more detail, feel free to give us a call. All our details will be in the description um, and follow for, for more illuminating primary care podcasts too. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you're a practice looking to recruit permanent clinicians, such as GPs, nurses or allied health staff, please get in touch at menloparkrecruitment.com or email james at menloparkrecruitment.com. For daily primary care news, please follow Menlo Park Recruitment on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast.